You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. I'm so happy to be with you this morning, those who are here in this beautiful sanctuary or those who are watching at home. Boy, I, I miss worshiping in this sanctuary. Uh, there is something about it. I, I feel the presence of the Spirit every time I come here. Uh, I, we believe that the church is not the building, but uh, sometimes God, uh, you know, find it pleasing to Him to be present in, in where His people are worshiping. Um, today we will continue the series called Practicing the Good Life that started a few weeks ago. And uh, uh, goal is that to, to encourage us and uh, invite us and challenge us not to go back to our normal life before the pandemic. While everyone around us is looking forward to go back to this normal life, here through this series as Christian believers, we are encouraged and invited to go back to a better life, a good life, not just a normal life. Jesus, in, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came so that they may have a better life, not a normal life. So this is, this is uh, the invitation we have today and we had uh, several weeks ago. Today we have a new invitation called an invitation to practice hospitality. So before we start, let us pray and let us ask God to speak to us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather around you, to worship you, to hear your word and to be challenged by a new invitation. Lord, open our ears to listen. Open our mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And open our hearts to accept, obey, and to be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. When we think about spiritual practices, we don't consider hospitality as one of them. We often think about prayers, think about uh, meditate, meditating in the Word of God, think about the quiet time, think about many things, but not hospitality. Maybe because hospitality inv- involves food and uh, resting and sleeping, and we often don't look at these things as spiritual practices. But to my surprise, in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, if you want to open your Bible and read with me, God is telling us about new ways of fasting. And surprisingly, we find hospitality is one of these new ways of fasting. In in verse 6, it says, Isn't it this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To lose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke? to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. We see here, brothers and sisters, that hospitality, both through feeding the hungry and providing shelters for the stranger, is fasting. Is a, spiritual, is a spiritual practice. And today, we are going to look at the spirituality of hospitality 
by answering four questions. Why should we practice hospitality? Who should we practice hospitality with? What hinders us from practicing hospitality? And how can we practice hospitality? First question, why? Why should we practice hospitality? And the answer is very easy, because it's a commandment. It's in the Bible. In, in Romans, I mean, First uh, Peter chapter uh, 4, verse 9, we just heard, offer hospitality. It's a commandment. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And uh, I don't know about your uh, uh, level of English, but for me, English is still a second language. So when I heard this fancy word, grumbling, uh, I, I knew what it means, but I didn't know the, the uh, synopsis of, of, of the word. So I asked it, Siri, Siri, hey Siri, what is the meaning of grumbling? Siri is sleeping. <laughs> hey Siri, what is the meaning of grumbling? As a verb, it means complain or protest about something in a bad-tempered but typically muted way. Thank you. Do you want to hear the remaining one? No, thank you. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, it's the Bible asking us to do it, it's commanding us to do it, but without complaining about it. And, and it says in the meaning here that sometimes when we complain this way, it's, it's something inside us. It's, it's not something that we enjoyed doing. So the Bible is asking us, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And uh, I, maybe we find this easy because it says, offer hospitality to one another, to people we know. But the second one in Romans 12, chapter 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So it's, it's wider. In, in, in Peter, share it with one another. In, in Romans, share it with God's people. That's, that's very wide. And in Hebrew, chapter 13, it says, uh, offer hospitality to, to strangers, complete strangers. And we find this very hard, very hard to share uh, hospitality or to open our house for people that we don't know, with people that we are not acquainted with. The, the first church understood this um, uh, commandment very well and practiced it very well. In the book of Acts, when we read that the believers gathered together in one place, this one place was not a sanctuary. It was not a church building. It was not a fellowship hall. It, it was one of those believers' homes. For instance, when we read uh, in Acts 12, when the, when the angel re released Peter from jail, it, it, the Bible said he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So the early church used to gather and play and fellowship and uh, uh, break bread and do everything in one of their homes. So one of the believers has to offer hospitality to the whole church. It's a commandment for all Christians to offer hospitality, to extend hospitality. Who should we practice hospitality with? Well, we read that already, with fellow believers, with uh, the, the uh, people of God, God's children, and even with strangers. And when, when it comes to this one, it is very hard. It's hard to uh, uh, 
open our life and share it with complete strangers. But let me read this for you in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Yes, it is easy to show and offer hospitality to people we know. It is hard to show and offer hospitality to people we don't know, but the Bible is telling us those people we don't know may end up being angels. Angels. Here it is referring to the story that happened in Genesis chapter 18 when Abraham insisted on uh, showing hospitality to three strangers, and it turned out one of them was God himself, and the other two were angels. And today, even, even we don't experience the presence of angels literally, but some of those strangers and some of God's people that we don't know and we offer hospitality to, they are God's children, and they are like angels. Many times in our ministry, we receive uh, uh, calls and messages from people who need a place to stay while they are starting their life here in Richmond. And one, one of these calls uh, happened uh, uh, a few years ago when someone called from Egypt and said, we have an immigration visa, and uh, we want to come in Richmond. Can you help us? Usually, we tell people when to book their tickets, so we prepare everything for them. We find a family to host them. We uh, start the process of uh, finding an apartment and all of that. But it takes about three to five months to find them an apartment. During this time, someone has to host them. It takes us a long time to prepare for all of that. So I told them, yes, we will help you, but let me tell you, uh, call you back and tell you when you can come. He said, but we already have the tickets. I said, okay, that's fine. When are you coming? He said, in two days. <laughs> what? He said, we were supposed to go to Pennsylvania, but the people who were hosting us, there's something happened and they can't host us anymore. So uh, we have nowhere to go and we can't afford to lose these tickets. Can we come? I said, yes. And I called my wife. I couldn't wait until, you know, to go home and tell her face to face. <laughs> I called and said, honey, uh, a new family is coming. He said, sure, yes, no problem. Uh, we can get everything ready. Uh, when? I said, in two days. <laughs> what? Yes. And they came and they stayed with us for a while and they were like angels. Big blessing to our family. But the most touching one happened uh, about three or four years ago. Someone called and said, um, we are here. We are in uh, Nova, Northern Virginia. Uh, we came and we stayed with someone, but uh, we had to leave. And now I have my pregnant wife, my two-year-old child in a taxi, looking for a hotel in Washington, D.C. area that we can afford, but we can't find any. Can you help us? So I said, let me call you after two hours. And I put an announcement on our church Facebook page. And to my surprise, I received a call from the last couple that could come to my mind who would be willing to host another family. This couple just lost their baby due to a, poor, due to a, a miscarriage three days earlier. 
And the husband said, I, I read your um, announcement. My wife and I will be happy to host this family. I asked him, did you read the announcement very well? He said, yes. Well, did you notice that this family, the wife is pregnant and they have a baby? He said, yes. I ask this because I know that losing a child, losing a baby due to miscarriage is, is very painful, is very hard to any family. And how can they do, uh, host another family, and not just a family, with a pregnant wife and a baby, this will be painful to them. They said, yes, we will, we will do it. We arranged for someone to go to uh, uh, Washington area, pick them up, brought them to this family. A few weeks later, both families went to St. Mary's Hospital to receive this gift, a baby. And a year later, God gave this couple a baby of their own. And last year, gave them Joseph, another baby. Yes, it, it could be hard, but it is rewarding. It is rewarding. You may, you may end up hosting the Lord or angels, or at least some saints, God's children. And, and there's a, a, a good story in 2 Kings ship, chapter 4, when, when Elisha used to travel from the south to the north, and uh, uh, there in the, in the road, one uh, day, Elisha went to a, a village called Shunem. And there, there was a woman who um, uh, asked her husband if they can host this man for lunch while he's traveling back and forth between the south and north. And he, her husband welcomed that day. But later on, she told her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let us make a small room on the roof and put, it, and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay where, where, there whenever he comes to us. See, uh, ladies, this woman is very smart. She knows how to propose a project to her husband. If she said, let us build a suite, a guest suite, he would say, no, we can't do that. But she said, let's just uh, turn the roof into a room and then put a bed and a lamp and a table and, you know, to make it a guest suite for this man to come and have rest while he is traveling. This was hard. This was financially uh, a burden, but... They did it. This family didn't have a children. God gave them a son. This son got sick and died. God raised their son. The whole area was about to go into a seven years of famine. God spared this family from the famine. Elisha told her, go out, go live somewhere else for seven years because there will be a famine and I, want you, I don't want you to go through this. You extended hospitality to the man of God. God will extend his hospitality and generosity to you. She went and lived with the Palestinians for seven years, came back according to the law. She was supposed to lose her land and home, but God, in a miraculous way, restored her land and her home. When we extend generosity and hospitality to others, it is hard, but it is rewarding. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing. In the second question, what hinders, well, the third question, what hinders us from practicing hospitality? Well, number one, 
Hospitality takes hard work. It is hard. I can tell you from experience, it is easy. It is not easy. It is hard. It's often not convenient. It can, change, it can require changing of your schedule, your plan, your routine. You may not be able to watch the TV show you watch every day. You may not be able to uh, turn on the scandals and the soft music before you go to bed every day. Your favorite couch may get stained. That's horrible. But things like this can happen. Ben Franklin, one of our founding fathers, said, guests and fish start to stink after three days. <laughs> and yes, it gets harder and harder by time, especially in, in our case when we um, uh, uh, extend hospitality to uh, uh, refugees and uh, immigrants, we don't know how long it will be. It could be three days, three weeks, three months, or sometimes more. But yet, it's a commandment. It's a commandment. We are invited to offer hospitality. Even it is hard. Why we can do it? Number two, because we are busy. We don't have time. Our plate is full. Our schedule is packed up. We don't have time for anything else. And here, I would like to suggest that we, we start to make spiritual practices a habit by putting it in our agenda, put it in your schedule. Like when you put your, I have lunch meeting with Rob Cox, I have a, a prayer group at this time, I have, a, uh, then put in your schedule these spiritual habits, put it in your agenda, make it part of your lifestyle, make it part of your daily routine, make it part of your agenda. This way, when, when, when the opportunity comes to offer hospitality, you will not find it uh, uh, hard to do it because of uh, lack of time, but you will find a spot in your agenda to do it, to offer it to people who are in need. Number three, uh, hospitality is a financial burden. And it is. it is. It is very hard. The parable we just heard from Luke chapter 11, uh, it's not a silly story. It's not a funny story. It's, it's real. In the Middle East, it happened. Sometimes guests drop in the middle of the night. It happens, and it happened to us many times here in Richmond. Uh, sometimes guests come, and uh, uh, traditions in the Middle East, the first thing you do with guests is to feed them. And, and people in the Middle East, you, have, you don't have a refrigerator full of food or closet or pantry. They just have their daily bread. So when someone comes after dinner, there is no food. What to do? Well, this man here in the parable Jesus told us, he, he went around and asking friends, give me three loaves of bread. And by the way, this was not the first and last friend. He asked this friend for bread. He's going to ask another friend for something else, another friend for something else to gather a meal for this guest. It's a burden. And in, in the Middle East culture, uh, uh, offering hospitality to a guest is the responsibility of the whole community, the whole village. When we used to receive uh, uh, guests in our house, I remember neighbors bringing a uh, nice china set and nice uh, 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 cups and uh, uh, stuff like that, and even, even towels, even uh, sheets. Of course, they would take it back after the guests leave, but they share what they have with the family that's having a guest. So the guest would have the best experience and leave with a good review of this community. 
So Jesus said, if he wouldn't give his friend the bread because of, uh, you know, uh, that, he would give it because of the obligation, because it's, it's, it's going to ruin the, the uh, uh, image of the whole village, the whole community. So it's a, it's a community work. It's a community work. Uh, maybe it is, it is a burden for a family or a person, but then we are invited to do it together as a community. When we have a new family or we have guests in the church, we make a schedule for lunch and dinner every day. Someone will take food for them or someone will take them to eat at their home or take them out to eat. But uh, we, don't, we don't leave it for one family to carry this burden. It's a community work. It's, it's, a, it's a church work. We help each other. Uh, lately, uh, when we uh, had this property in Goochland, we found out we have a lot of classrooms that we don't need. So we turned some of these classrooms into bedrooms. And one classroom we turned into a living room. So when new families here, and instead of staying with someone else, which, which is very hard for both sides, they stay at the church. We had the Tunisian family stay there for more than a year. Last month, we had a family stay there for three weeks, but there, in the middle of nowhere, they need someone to take care of them. So we have the schedule, someone take them out to eat, or someone brings them groceries, or someone bring them food. It's, it's a financial burden, but it will be easier if it is a community work, if we community of believers came together and helped each other to offer hospitality to strangers. But even if it is a financial burden, God promised to provide, to provide enough for you and for the people you extend the hospitality with. There is this strange story in the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 when Elijah, during a famine, went to a widow. Out of all the people in Israel, he went to a poor widow. And he began with asking her for a cup of water. When she was going to bring him a cup of water, he asked it for a piece of bread. She told him, we have nothing. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. We don't have enough for us and for you. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. God whom Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is, a, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And it happened. God provided for Elijah, for the widow, for her son, enough. Enough. Plenty. While everyone else was suffering the famine. Why would not use it? Why would not do it? Because of our differences. Because we are different. In the book of Numbers chapter 12. Moses married. That's a joyful 
event. But for the brother and sister-in-law, it was not. Because the woman Moses married was different. She was not Israelite. She was not from any of the 12 tribes of Israel. She was, she was a Kushite from Ethiopia, African woman. How dare he bring a different woman, different color, different uh, culture, different language, different everything, and bring her among us. So the Bible says Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Kushite wife, for he had married a Kushite. Although the law of Moses requires Israelites to treat the foreigners as one of their own, in Leviticus chapter 19. But uh, Miriam and Aaron did not. Because this foreigner was different. Different in race, different in skin color, different in everything. So instead of offering hospitality to her, to this poor foreigner women, they start to grumble about it. Our differences hinder us from offering hospitality, especially to strangers. Last question. How? How can we practice hospitality? You know, you may notice that the, the, the word hospitality is close from the word hospita hospital. So I want to put it this way. The difference between uh, hospitality and entertainment is the difference between hospital and hotel. In a hospital, the focus was, is on the patient to make them feel better, to comfort them. In a hotel, the focus is on leaving a good review, make them happy, entertain them, so that they feel happy about us. So hospitality is opening your house, your life. Hospitality is making people feel welcomed and comforted. Entertaining is, is show off our house, our Furniture, our cooking abilities, our, you know, lifestyle, all of that. In hospitality, we don't just share a room with the people. We share our life with them. We learn how to do hospitality from Jesus himself. Jesus, in the book of Luke, chapter 7, was invited into dinner. And there he was expected the traditional hospitality. But after dinner, Jesus did not leave a good review for this host. Why? He said this, Luke chapter 7. He told the host, Simon the Pharisee, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she went my feet with her tears and wiped them with her, with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Here, we notice that Jesus was expecting from his host was expecting the, the right hospitality through three things. Water, kiss, oil. Water, kiss, oil. And 
I was trying to find three words to, to uh, represent these three things. Uh, last night I said, water, welcome them. Kiss, show kindness to them. And then I struggled with the third word. I couldn't find an, a word that goes with oil, something that starts with O. So I sent a message to uh, the family. I said, you know, I'm preaching tomorrow about this and I need a word, you know, uh, water, welcome, kiss, kindness, oil, what? I need a word with O. So I had a lot, uh, you know, a lot of suggestions, about 20 words, and the winner was open heart. Open heart. Show hospitality. Practice hospitality with open heart. Open heart that is willing to do what it, whatever it takes to make these people feel welcomed. Open heart that is willing to show God's love and grace. Open heart that's ready to exhibit the generosity of God to us. Open heart to do what makes them feel home. A few years ago, I heard from a friend that a uh, famous evangelist from Lebanon moved to live in Charlottesville. His name is Maurice Gerges. In the newspapers in, in the Middle East, they call him Billy Graham of the Middle East. To know how famous he was, uh, one of the Egyptian presidents, Gamal Abdel Nasser, ordered that Maurice Gerges is not allowed to enter Egypt. Because every time he comes to Egypt, he turns it upside down. Well, this man is here, 50 minutes away from my home. So I called him. I invited him to come and preach in three days revival here in this sanctuary. And to my surprise, he accepted. But he said, I don't drive anymore. I went, picked him up from Charlottesville, brought him to our home a day before the revival. And when he was uh, waiting in the living room, my wife was preparing his uh, bedroom, I was running around trying to do anything to make him happy, to make him comfortable. And I asked him, what can I do for you? Do you want some uh, uh, Egyptian bread, some, anything? Let me know. He said, just calm down, calm down. I said, I want to do anything to make you happy, to make you comfortable. He said, well, the only thing you can do to me now is wash my feet. I said, yes, I will do it. I will be happy to do it. I ran to the kitchen to get water. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to bring water to wash your feet. He said, come here, come here. Sit down. Wash my feet. I mean, read the Bible to me. Read the word of God. I can't read anymore. Read the Bible to me. Wash my feet. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for inviting us to be part of your kingdom and part of your family. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to share your generosity, your love, and your grace with others around us, whether people we know or people who are complete strangers from us. Help us, Father, to have this open heart to do whatever it takes to share and offer hospitality to people who are in need. In Jesus' name, amen.